Well, uh, good evening again tonight. Uh, everyone doing okay? What a great crowd for a, uh, what, what night are we? Monday night. Monday night. Well done. Thanks for making the effort to come out. I know you've had uh, work and other commitments today, and I know it's a big effort to do that. And uh, it's pretty hard if you're a preacher to get up and then realize you're preaching and there's only a few people here. It sort of dampens the whole atmosphere. So thank you for coming out and making it easier for people to get up and present your missionaries have come from different places, and uh, thank you for doing that. People often ask, what's the, uh, what, what's the measurement for a successful missions conference? And when we think about what it is, what it is sometimes we measure it in dollar terms. And that's a, that's a fairly tangible measurement, because when we look at it, it, we understand the water of life that God wants to give people is free, it just costs to pipe it into places. And obviously it takes money to be able to do that. And missions, revivals, uh, uh, concepts, uh, helping us understand faith promised missions is about the idea of trying to increase support levels to help these things get taken place and happening. But the real success of a missions conference is what Jesus said. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus says, But ye shall receive power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The real success of a missions conference is that you get a fresh filling of the Spirit of God and you realize, God, you've done something in my heart and life and the Spirit of God is infused with you, and power has come upon you to be able to do what God would cause you to do in whatever fashion, to be a witness, not just in Hot Springs or in Arkansas or in the United States, but to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the real measure. And that can only be determined not by a physical dollar amount, it's an indication but it's determined by what the Spirit of God does in your life and your surrender to Him. And those two songs tonight, Jordan, were just absolutely on the money. I mean, the whole concept of surrendering the upper back there, mate, and then oceans and this whole concept, I absolutely love it. Last night I spoke to you on pretty much the, the why behind uh, missions and giving is for what? Well, that was a shocking, ready? Giving is for lovers only. And um, that's what I, but I want to talk to you a little bit tonight more about that the how uh, of what we can do and a little bit more practical thoughts on this. And whenever you talk on money, uh, money, money gets our attention. It's like the guy who was walking down the street and he said to his friend, he said, I'm just a walking economy. And I understand what he meant. He said, what do you mean a walking economy? And he said, well, my hairline's in recession. My stomach's a victim of inflation. And it puts me into a deep depression. I mean, I sort of think all this together. And so when we think about this idea, I want to talk about putting the finishing touches on grace and we're dealing with money. That's really what we're trying to talk about and think through these things. I want to talk about giving. I want to talk about money for missions and some of the practicalities on, on what God says about this. And we talk this concept of faith, promise, missions. And we say, well, does the Bible talk about faith, promise missions. That's what you are doing as a church to raise support to help these various missionaries. The answer is simply this, no it doesn't. 
There is no reference to faith, promise, missions. But the Bible does give great examples of people in a local church who gave to issues, who gave to projects outside of their church. Your regular giving of your tithes and offerings goes to your local church. But then the Bible gives many examples of extra offerings that are given to things outside of a local church. And that's where we draw this principle of faith, promise, missions, which is giving for something outside. And I want to show you an example of, of one offering that local churches took up to support people in a far-off land, that that's what they were doing. And these, these were people that would, would, would benefit from this offering. These are people that had never been to these churches. These were people who uh, the churches had, had heard of and they had heard these things and they said, well, there is a need. Let's give some money to help these people in a far-off land that will not do anything physically for us. We're giving something outside of our local church to help someone in a different area. That's where we're getting the template and the model for faith promise giving. Do you understand that? As we work through that. So when we think of faith promise giving, here's what we're simply saying. It is an offering made by faith in God. I'm placing my faith in God as I'm doing this. God, you will use this to to accomplish what you need to do. It's an offering with a promise to God. And that's something between you and God. And it's also an offering made with missions for God. So we call it faith, promise, mission. Say it with me. Faith, promise, missions. We're dealing with this. Now, here is the, let me give you a background. Once you go to 2 Corinthians, if you can, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul was... Uh, obviously one of the, a great missionary, and uh, he had written to the church in Corinth during his third missionary trip, and he was in this area up here in, in Ephesus, which is in Turkey today. Here, here, is, here is Paul up here, and he's writing to these people over here in Greece, in Corinth. This is where he's writing to these people over here. And uh, he spent 18 months there in, in Ephesus, and then later during that journey of Ephesus, he writes this letter. He then sent while he was in Ephesus up here, he sent Timothy up here to Philippi in a region called Macedonia. Here is Corinth in a region called Archaea. I want you to get those names in your head for a moment. Macedonia, like a state, sort of like uh, Texas, and then Arkansas. Two different states side by side. And then what Paul did, he said, Timothy, I I want you to take a letter And I want you to go up via Philippi and I want you to take this letter down to Corinth and it was what we would call 1 Corinthians. Now in that letter, he writes this one statement about an offering that he wanted the Corinthians to learn about and take up. And Paul said, I've been going through all the churches of Galatia and I've been through here and I want to get the churches of Macedonia and we want to get down here to Archaea to take up an offering that we can try to help these Christians over here back in Jerusalem to places where some of these people had never been. They were Gentile people up here. These were all Gentiles, different pagan backgrounds. Over here were the Jewish people. And he said, we want to take up offerings from these people all from here and send it down to help these people in a far different land. Everyone got the principle? So this is what he's going to do. So he says to these people in Corinthians, he said, now 
concerning this collection for the saints, here is what I want you to think about. He said, I've told all the churches up in Galatia. Now I'm telling you down there in Corinth. I want you on the first day of the week, Sunday. So have a system about doing this. On Sunday, I want every one of you, not, not just a couple of you, I want every one of you to get involved with this. I love, I love Pastor Eric how you're saying, everyone take one of these. Because this is a biblical concept. And I want you to lay by him in store. So whatever you're building up through the week, as God hath prospered you, and God has blessed you, I want you to pull it in and I want you to bring it in so there's no gatherings when I come. Every week you're pulling it aside and putting it in there so that when Paul turns up, you've got the money and we can take it to that place and help those people. And he said, I want to bring your liberality, your, your liberal giving, your gifts to Jerusalem. So this is what's taking place. No pressure, no announcement, no manipulation. He's saying, that's what I'm doing. Paul later takes off to Ephesus. Oh, sorry, from Ephesus goes up to Philippi, up in Macedonia. And there he's, the Macedonians started to give money for this project, this missions project. And they gave an immense amount of money. And Paul was just amazed what had taken place from there. And he had already spoken to the Corinthians. And the Corinthians had said, we're going to do something in an amazing way. So Paul's telling the Macedonians, this is what's going to take place. Titus turns back up. And meets Paul up there in Philippi and said, hey, I've got a uh, little bit of a problem, Paul. And he said, what's the problem? And he said, uh, those people down there in Corinth, in Archaea, you know how they say promised they're going to take money up for this offering and, they, and you've been using them as an example? And he said, yeah, I've been telling everyone about them, how incredible, because they said they're going to give heaps of money. Well, a little bit of a problem. They haven't taken anything up yet. And Paul went, what? Say what? They haven't, what? They haven't, are, are you serious? So then Paul says, all right, pen to paper. Let's write a letter down to the Corinthians. So now he's writing this letter called Second Corinthians and that's where we are tonight. And what he's going to tell them, he's going to say, listen, brethren, I, I've told you, I, I do you to wit. I want you to understand something about the grace of God, what God has done in the hearts of these people up there in Macedonia, what God did for them how that in a great trial of affliction, these are poor people, you people down there in Corinth, I want you to understand it. Those people up there in Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea, they were poor people. But they had, they had an abundance of joy in their affliction and in their deep poverty, it abounded under the riches of their liberality. These people gave incredibly. So then he tells him in chapter nine, he says, let me tell you something. For as touching the ministering of the saints, he said, look, I, I, it's, it's superfluous. I, you already know about this. And I know the forwardness of your mind and you wanted to help. And I've been telling everyone in Macedonia, I boasted of you. I've been telling these people in Macedonia all about you people down there in Archaea. And that how a year ago, you guys were ready to give. And, and, and your zeal, what I told them what you were going to do, they said, man, if the, if the people down there in Corinth are going to do it, we're going to do it. He said, we're, we're going to do this and your zeal has provoked people. And it's sort of like a bit of a state rivalry. In Australia, we have what's called the state of origin. And it's Queensland, our state versus New South Wales. It's a war every year. And what happens, it's a rivalry between states. And if one state says, well, we're going to do this, it sort of provokes the other state. Well, we're going to notch it up even further. And we're going to bring this onto the game. And, and we all know about how rivalries happen. 
and one person does this, it provokes another one to step up from here and you think about it in your own basketball seasons here and someone's zeal will provoke someone else. Well, we're going we're gonna to draft this person. We're going to be better than you because you got this and, and all these things happen in your football codes and what happens and your Razorbacks versus whoever and there's like a, your state's not going to outdo my state. Well, that's, Paul has used this and he's told the people up in Macedonia, I'll tell you what they're doing down there. These people are amazing. And they're going, well, if they've done that, we're going to ramp it up and we're going to do even more. And this is how Paul's sort of dealing with it. And he said, we're putting our, we're, we're going to step up our game and we're going to do this. So Paul says, I've told them all about you. And he said, now, lest everything I've boasted about you is in vain and just been a waste of time. He said, because some of these Macedonians are coming with me. And if they come down, when we get down to your church and they find that you are unprepared, you're going to make me look like an idiot. You're going to make me feel ashamed. And and I've been boasting about you. I've been telling everyone how incredible you are wanting to help these people. So Paul has said, let me tell you what I need you to do. I need you to show me the money. That's what I really need. I just need you to step it up Show me the money because I've been telling everybody what you've been doing and you were ready. And here is what he turns around. And he says, therefore, he said, I want you to understand. I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you, before we get there and make up beforehand your bounty. Now, he didn't say, when he says bounty, he's talking about your gift, your blessing. This is something, this, this is something you've got to you do over and above. Whereof you had noticed before and that the same might be ready. I want you to be ready. I want you to get this in hand that it'd be a matter of bounty and not covetousness. And we're not asking because we're greedy. We're asking because there's a need, not because of greed. And there are people who we want to try to help from there. Now, throughout these chapters, Paul uses words like this. Bestowed, poverty, riches, liberality, gift, gave, rich, poor, poverty, rich, man, hath, what he's got, what he doesn't have, abundance. He's talking in the Bible all about money. And we ought never be ashamed in churches to ever talk about money when it comes to the work of God, because this is what it is. It is an an eternal investment into the things of God and into people's lives. See, things on earth will perish, but souls will last forever. And so we ought never do that. And I'll tell you what else we ought to do. We ought to be incredibly grateful that God has recorded this in the scriptures so that we have guidelines, so that we have insight into the mind of God as to how he thinks about what we should be doing with money and helping people outside of our local churches and working through that. Right now, Jeremy's got a massive project in Vanuatu because of that volcano in Ambe that has exploded. Have you ever met any people in Ambe? You guys ever met, some of you have met some people there from Vanuatu, a couple of you, but most of you haven't, yet you're going to maybe look at supporting this guy here for people you've never met and probably never will meet until you get to heaven. And he said, but we need people to help with this. And, and you say, well, when we talk about money, what do we need to think? We need to remember this to start off with. God owns everything. Everything we have, God owns. Would you agree with that? The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. And he tells us that everything he owns. He also tells us we brought nothing into this world. And guess what? You can't take anything out of this place. This is the place you use what God gives you, move it in and out and and do it from there. So Paul says, I want to get this into your mind. 
Now, he started off when he said, talking about these Macedonians, he said, I want you to remember, what God has done in their life is a work of grace, not a work of guilt. They did this because they became lovers only. And they did this because the grace of God done a work in their life. So he says, I'm sending Titus down to you. And here's what I want Titus to do. I've sent him down so that what's already happened and begun in you, he'd also finish the same grace also in you. Therefore, as you abound in everything, and these people were pretty good in faith, these good people were in their speaking and utterance, they had good Bible knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, he said, I want you to grow in this area too. I want you to abound in this grace. And so when you think about what's taking place this week, God is asking you, would you, would you step up and would you think about growing in grace? This is never, ever to be a result of guilt. If you give out a guilt, you will stop when you feel guilty, when you don't feel guilty anymore, rather. But you ought to be a re- this ought to be, everything is a response to the grace of God and God doing a work in us. So everyone okay tonight? Yeah. Everyone with me? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about some things we're going to look, look at here. Here, here's what we need to do. We need to follow the principles of faith promise. Let me knock them out of this chapter really quick and show you some of the principles that we need to think about when we come to why are you doing this? Why, why are you doing this thing here? Let me, let me give you a couple of principles and here is one of them. We all need to be willing to do more than we think. Every one of us need to be willing to do more than we think. Here is what Paul said about these people. He said these people, had a, they were in a, an affliction, a great trial, and that they used, they had an abundance of joy in it. He said they had deep poverty, but they continued to give from there. I mean, these people were so poor, uh, you know, they'd go down to KFC and lick everyone else's fingers. I mean, they didn't, couldn't even buy the chicken. I mean, we're talking poor people, deep poverty. And yet they said, we just want to give. And here's what Paul said. He said, and to their power, he said, I want to tell you, they did what was within their means but they blew me away. They blew me away because I want to tell you, they went beyond their power. These people did what I didn't even think was humanly possible. I just couldn't believe this. I, it blows me away what the people in Vanuatu in Jeremy's church give to missions. Huh? What do you mean? I thought they are the mission field. And they're a church like everywhere else. And they say, hey, let's get, let's get behind missions here. They're sending out money to help missionaries in Vanuatu. People in those little places. I was just in the Philippines and I was there preaching there and the guy's there trying to raise $60 a month to get a, a pastor pastoring a church in an area in the Philippines. He lives on 60 bucks a month. And it just blew my mind that these people are just going. And he said, but you know, most people here are earning $300 a month is what they're earning. Pastors are willing to go out for 60 bucks a month. And it just sort of blew my mind as to what people are doing beyond their power and think, how do they even do this? And they just give and get behind what they're doing from there. And so but let's think about this. Let's be willing to do more than we think. Yeah. Let's, whatever you're thinking about, let's be willing to do more than we think. Be just willing. See, it says they were willing. That, this is a key. And here's the second principle. Be watching for opportunities to give. See, you're, you're hearing God's news all this week. As different missionaries get up, listen, you hear a lot of devil's news every day, and, and you know, you're walking around, and if you've got your phone with your minds down there, 
and you've got it in your back pocket. I mean, it's like a, one of those dog shock collars, you know, and it, all of a sudden it zips again and there's some more news and you pick it up and it's more... I, I don't think God ever designed us to pick up every bit of news around the world. But here's what we do need to focus in on. Just think about what's what there are opportunities to give in God's work. What, what opportunities are there from there? Here is what these people said. I'm going to come back to this one. I'm going to slip back there, but can I get back there? It is here. He said, praying us with much entreaty. He said, these people were begging us that we'd receive this. He's saying, he's, Paul's saying, listen, you guys can't give this. You're too poor. And they're saying, please, Paul, let us give it. Don't rip us off of a blessing. And he said, we want to take upon us the fellowship of this, of this ministry. And he said, we see a need. We want to get behind that. We're watching for opportunities to give. And even though we could use it ourselves, we want to give because we want to get in fellowship with people who we haven't even met. Do you understand when you jump into this stuff here, you are engaging into a fellowship with people in Brazil and China and, and Dominican Republic and Vanuatu and all these different places. You're connecting. And this is what God's saying. He said, but here's what they did. He just blew me away. He said, I'm going to tell you what these people up there in Macedonia did. Before they ever gave a cent, a penny, they gave themselves. When the offering plate came around, they stood in it. They didn't put their money in, they put themselves in. I had a missions conference once and there was a gigantic big aluminium plate, aluminium plate, Jen. We built a massive big aluminium plate and uh, people came and said, I'm not going to give money, I'm just going to come and stand in this. First gave themselves. That's what you call sacrifice. Because you say, God, I'm, I'm in. It's all of me. I was in Papua New Guinea with a preacher up there and he was going to baptize this fella. And this one fella turned around and he was up in this. He said, I'm not going to... He said, when you baptize me, he said, let me keep my right hand out. He said, what? He said, I've got to put you all under. And he said, no, no, I just want to keep my right hand out. This is up in the... It was in Papua New Guinea. And Pastor Saka said, what do you want to keep your right hand out for? He said, because there's a man up in that village in the top up there and I want to kill him with my right hand. <laughs> and he said, no, no, we're not going to, no, you need to give everything. You're not going to do that. So these people have got to, you know, he's saying, these people just threw everything in the plate. I, I was um, thinking about this concept here and there was a, a guy by the name of John Simpson back in World War I in Australia. And as a kid, he'd, on his summer holidays, he'd get a job working with donkeys and leading donkeys around. Well, in World War I, Australia went, um, was summoned over to, uh, to Turkey, and they, Australia and New Zealand, all their soldiers landed on this beach called Gallipoli uh, in, in April 25th, 1915. And it was one of the most disastrous moves by the English sending the Australians and New Zealands there. It was just actually a slaughter fest. I mean, this was worse than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff. I mean, this, this was just a slaughter of people. And the, the Turks were up in the mountains, Australians come onto the beach, and it was just a... It was, I'm talking like nearly 40% of the Australians and the New Zealanders were killed, just as they landed on the beach. John Simpson was one of them. He was a really strong guy, so they gave him the job of, of being a stretcher bearer or carrying wounded people. And so he would carry them over on the beach, carrying these people... And on that day they landed, he spotted a donkey. And he said, I know donkeys. And so what he did, he grabbed that donkey and he said, I'm going to use that donkey. And so John Simo, they called him, 
would get up there and he would carry that people on donkeys and take them through this thing. It was like a Hacksaw Ridge moment. And here is Simo carrying with his donkey these people through. And for 24 days, he rescued hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men walking out into the shrapnel-filled areas, snipers going, machine gun going, and people couldn't believe he can have a legend in the Anzac Cove, in the Gallipoli area. And he just risked his life. And the people would say, what, you, you, I would just thank him. And he'd just say, I'm glad to help. I'm glad to help. And he was carrying an officer down one day. And they said, you're going to get killed on this. And he said, you know what? There hasn't been a bullet made for me yet. And he was walking down a little passage called Hell's Cove, Hell's Passageway, where there were snipers everywhere carrying a wounded soldier, as you'd see him here on his donkey. And he just got down that thing on the 24th day of his mission because he was working day and night, never stopped. A bullet popped him in the back, a sniper's bullet. And as he was dying, he smacked that donkey with that wounded soldier on it and it took off from there. And the, and the donkey got down. He died right there in the passageway in, in Hell's Spit and Hell's Cove. He became an incredible legend, so much so that you walk to our Australian War Museum and there's a massive big statue of Simo and his donkey. On our $100 bill, right up there, there's Simo and his donkey. On, our on all our Anzac Day parades, people reenact Simo and his donkey. And you say, well, what, what's the whole significance? There were some words they penned on his grave site right over there in Hell's Cove in Turkey that said it all. He gave his life that others may live. See, he was first gave himself. And that God is saying, would, would you think about yourself? Would you think, think about others? He said, that's what this model is. And he said, when you do this, he said, I want you to be thinking, it's not just about giving money. He said, would you be, would you be wanting God to grow you? He said, Titus, I want to get you, to, I, want this, I want to finish this grace. I want you to abound in grace. This is an incredible time to watch you grow. I've been to Vanuatu several times and what I love about Brother Jeremy is he has this incredible passion to see these people in Vanuatu from different areas and walks of life that are totally diverse from anything we would know to absolutely grow. I was thought about a few different people that are there and some of you have met these people that went over to Vanuatu and I just love that couple down that bottom right hand corner. That's Pastor Gabby and his wife Smiley. And a couple, a pastor and his wife who are just abounding in grace. And I look at Jeremy and I know he gets an incredible blessing just looking at that photo. On that top there with that one lady with a hand up and her sister right next door, the, the Berry sisters, they're twins. Next, next to them is, a, is Oralyn who's a single mum. And that's their little girl, her little kid sitting in, standing there between them, passionately worshipping Jesus. That song they were singing that night was, the, he's a good, good father. And I'm thinking about these, there was there were single girls here and then there is the, the girl who's lost her husband who just hopped on a cruise ship and took off and left her stranded with a kid and she's singing, he's a good, good father. And I'm watching this preacher over here, this missionary saying, I'm so glad they're growing in grace. And then I'm looking at Ishmael with his guitar up there and bringing worship team in and singing songs to God and I'm thinking... I know where some of these people came from and what they were before. I'm so glad we're helping somebody who's helping others grow in grace and it's helping us grow in grace. 
that this is what it's all about, folks. This is what we're dealing with. And he'll tell you what the other thing, another principle is what we do, is it's all about worshipping Jesus in your giving. And I spoke to you on that last night, so I'm not going to labour on that. Prove your sincerity. Think about the grace of Jesus and what he did for you. And it's really just saying, when I put this in and I tick an amount on this, I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the privilege to be able to be supporting and doing your work outside of here. This is an absolute privilege. And, and this is, it's not tithing. It's not a tithe. That goes to your local church. This is a love offering. And, you know, I, I look at sometimes, I think it's wonderful when an, when, uh, an offering goes around at times and someone, the preacher hasn't even called for it. And someone's just come in because they're so grateful for the grace of God and that he who was rich became poor for my sake, for your sake that we might, who were poor, might become rich in God. And I'm so grateful at times where people just are so thankful and just have a love for God. They just come and the offering plate comes by and they just want to put a love offering in. And they pull out and they say, God, this is for you because I love you. Preacher hasn't asked for a special offering. Doesn't need to. You don't have to be asked to love. Because giving is for lovers only. It's just, uh, I just want to, I just want to love on you, God, and here's a way I can do it. I just want to love. You know, when the Old Testament they bring those bullocks in and they'd offer those bullocks up in a burnt offering, massive big bullocks up in smoke. No one benefited from it. God did, because it was a devotional act. They didn't have to do it for a sin or an offering or a trespass. It was something you just did because God. I just love you. When's the last time you just, because you loved him, just said, oh God, I'm just doing this because I just love you. I'm not telling anyone. Preacher hasn't asked for it. I just love you. I want to offer you something. I don't know what I can do. I can maybe give you some time. I can give you this. But God, I know want something tangible I could do. I, I'm going to give you this and it's a sacrifice, but I'm going to just, because I just love you. And that's what he's talking about in these cards. He said, well, well, how do I do it? Well, let's faithfully practice it. There's some principles. Let me show you how to faithfully practice this promise. First thing is this. He tells us, Paul said, this isn't a commandment. I'm just giving you my advice. And all I'm doing here tonight, I'm come from Australia. I'm just giving you my advice. I'm just telling you what these preachers are getting up and telling you, these missionaries, they're just giving you their advice. And he's saying, Paul's saying, look, I just think this is expedient for you. I think it's a good thing for you to do. It's going to be very profitable for you. And you know what? You guys were ready a year ago. It's a good thing. And that's why these things, you do this year by year. Because it's based on this concept of doing this. So here are some, here are some things how to make sure you do it. Number one is don't allow procrastination to squash your obligation. Don't sort of say, you know, when you start to procrastinate, it's sort of like it, it, you get into the thing, it's the art of keeping up with yesterday. And you're sort of putting things off all the time and intentionally and habitually. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, look, now, now therefore perform the doing of it. You've been talking about it and talking about it. You had a readiness and you've been thinking, oh, should I or should I not? Here's what Paul simply just says. He says, just do it. That's all you've got to do. So just jump in and just do it. He said, perform the readiness of it and jump in and do it. Don't procrastinate about this thing. And he also says, listen, hesitation to give has to be overcome. And he turns around and says, I want it have a willing mind, and I want you to understand something here. He said, 
don't get to the point. He said, it's accepted according to what a man hath, not what he hath not. He said, don't, he said, just don't hesitate over this. Don't sit around and say, well, I'm just not, just not really sure. Um, I'm not, not sure if I'm really ready to commit. I don't want to procrastinate or I don't want to hesitate, but I just not really, I really am, I suppose I am procrastinating. I'm, I haven't really made my decision and I'm going to do this. It's like two frogs sitting on the bank and one decided to jump, how many are left on the bank? Two frogs sitting on the bank, one decides to jump, how many left? No, there's two, because he only decided to jump. He never did it. He didn't do it. He decided. And Paul's saying, don't just decide, don't hesitate, jump in and do this thing, and jump out and do this thing from here, according to what you have. Here's what I, I think. You say, well, what does he mean according to what you have and, what you don't, and not according to what you have not? You can't give what you don't have. Faith promise, I don't think, is this. Faith promise is that it falls, it's inconsistent to everything else. God gave one son because he had one son. The, the widow turns up with her might and the motivation to giving was far more crucial than the amount. She just gave everything she had because that's what she had. She couldn't give more than she didn't have. And it was, she just gave what she had. Some people say, well, I'm just going to put a figure on here and I'm going to put on here, you know, $1,000 a week and I'm just going to be praying by faith that God gives it to me. And then nothing, you never get it. No, well, never came in, didn't give it. And preachers thinking, wow, someone's putting a 1000 bucks a week in. We're going to now commit to these missionaries by faith that this is happening. But someone's out there saying, well, I just think, God, I'm just praying you'll give it to me. Now, sometimes he will. But God's saying, you need to just think about, you can't give what you don't have, but you can sacrifice with what you have. And this is what he's simply telling us from here. And then we need to think through this. Nobody is an exception to this offering. Paul turns around and says, look, you all give different amounts, and it's by equality. It's equal sacrifice, not equal giving. It's not that one person should carry the entire burden and everyone else get away scot-free or easy. He said, let's spread it across everyone. And that means, I'm not, he said, if, if, you're, if you've got a lot, give an equal sacrifice. You've got little, give an equal sacrifice of what you have that nothing is lacked from there. And then he turns around and he says, remember when those people went out gathering up the manna? If you had 50 kids, there was enough manna for you. If you had two kids, there was enough manna for you. God's, God said it's equal giving, equal sacrifice and do it. And then he makes sure, he said, make sure everything you do, when you do and you start to give this, here's the practice. He said, do it cheerfully. Don't do it like, oh man, stinking missions time again. I've got to put this thing in. Oh, all right, whatever. I'll put this on here and here you go. You want it? You want it? Here we go. Here you got it. Here you go. You happy? <laughs> he said, no. He's not saying don't make someone else a cheerful giver. Uh, he's saying you be the cheerful one. You be that one from there. And think about it. Purpose in your heart, he's saying. That's a little bit of a planning through it. In Scotland, they used to take up the offering and ushers would have a big long pole with the bag on the end of it. And so they'd stand on the end and they'd pass the pole. The pole would go down and you'd get this bag coming in front of you. Well, there was an old Scotsman and he went to put, it, he went to put in a, his offering and he put in a gold sovereign by mistake. He really wanted to put a shilling in. So he's like putting in $100 when he really wanted to put in a dollar. 
and he put the gold sovereign in the bag and the pole started to come back and he's reaching back and oh, 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 oh. And he, and he tries to retrieve the sovereign and the usher pulled the bag back and said, ah, nah, nah, once in, always in. And the old Scotsman said, ah, well, I'll get credit for it in glory. And he said, nah, you'll only get credit for the shilling because that's all you wanted to put in. <laughs> See, it's what's going on in here. So be willing to do these things. Now, here's the last thing. I want to think about this. And I think we all, God's happy with this. Now, I told you last night, don't give for an advantage. But you ought to think about the profits you get from faith promise. God loves to reward his people. And there is, there is benefits to doing this. He said, what are the benefits? Paul says, let me tell you a couple. He said, number one is this, God enriches your life. Here's what he tells us is going to happen. He said, God's able to make all grace towards you that you have all sufficiency in all things that you may abound to every good work. God's able to make things take place in your life. God's able to do that. And it builds a trust issue in your life. And sometimes he increases your income. Sometimes he decreases your outgo. Whatever he's doing, he does that. But God says, understand, I'm always the giver and I give you what you need. It's there. You need to be a discerner of what to do with what I give. And he uses this illustration. And he turns around and he says, now he that ministereth the seed to the sower, both ministereth bread for your food. And he says that same thing. The person who gives you everything is God. Now I want you to think in the concept of seed. God says, everything I give you is seed. And what you can do with it you can either get, make it, grow it and get bread out of it for you to consume or you can take it and you can replant it and use it for something else. And Paul said, here's what you need to determine. Everything God gives you, you need to work out, is this bread for me to consume or is this something God wants me to give back as seed for someone else and sacrifice for others? See, because there are things God's saying, I've given this to you for bread, this is for you. The reason I've given you this money is for you. But don't use it all for bread. Otherwise, you'll never have any bread anywhere else. Some of it has got to be seed so you can plant more. Now, realize sometimes to plant, you might think, boy, I could have used that, but I'm going to replant it and I'm going to put that in an investment. So Paul says, you need to discern what God's given me. Is it for me? Or what part of it does he want me to invest as seed? And he said, when you invest as seed, it's going to increase something for you. And God brings that back around there, but that takes sacrifice. There was a king in Prussia who was, that was the old name before Germany. After the wars, it became very expensive for them in the early years, and they were trying to rebuild the nation. And uh, King Frederick William III turned around and he asked women in Prussia, he said, can you bring your gold and your silver and your jewelry and we're going to bring that and get gold and silver, we're going to melt it down for the country. We really need that, and I, I want to say thank you in some way. So for every piece of gold and every piece of jewelry that you bring in, the silver and the gold, I'm going to give you maybe an ornament made out, of made out of iron, which was a bit cheaper, and just to say thank you as a symbol of gratitude for your sacrifice. And, and on every one of those decorations, he said, it's going to simply say, I gave gold for iron. And what took place as people would continue to bring their gold and their silver in and sacrifice to that level and he'd, they'd get back a little iron, little brooch or a metal and said, I gave gold for iron. They valued that 
far more than they ever valued the gold and the silver. They said it represented our sacrifice for our country. It became such an uh, overwhelming thing that Germany then turned around and said, what we're going to do is a symbol for sacrifice in our country. We're going to create the order of the Iron Cross because it just represents people who sacrificed for their country. And I thought about that and I thought, you know, many of you are going to be giving your gold and silver and you'll sacrifice to do it. And you're literally saying, you know, I'm going to give my gold and silver for a cross. And the cross is what Jesus gave done for us. But one day he takes that cross and he turns around and says, I recognize that sacrifice. And he exchanges your cross for a crown. And God says, thank you for your sacrifice. Because here is what your sacrifice did. It enabled people to go beyond borders. Paul writes up and says, because there was a measurement and it was like a measure, we couldn't get any further than this. There was like a limit of what we could do. And he said, I, I, we said to the Corinthians, he said, we can only get as far as you, but we have such a greater desire to reach far more people, but we're sort of limited as, to far, as far as we can go. Our, our measure has been stopped. We just can't do any more. But he said, here's what I understand. He said, when your faith, when your faith is increased, we're going to be enlarged and our measure is going to be increased and we're going to be able to preach the gospel in regions beyond you because your faith has increased. So our measure is increased. And all this takes place. I was there in Jeremy's place and we're crossing these rivers and, and I kept thinking every, every time they'd cross a river, and some of you have done this, they would cross another border, they'd cross another area, and they'd cross it to be able to preach the gospel. But they could only go as far as we would give. And the limitation, Brother Bowie stood up here last night, and he said, I'd love to go to two services, but I can't. His measure has been stopped. So those people in Hawaii, got to, they're limited, and here's what potentially may happen. They, they're, stuck in that, they're stuck in that position. But when your faith is increased, the measure goes to two services, more people, more souls. And Paul's simply saying, we, we, we can only go as far as we can because we just can't take it any further. But when your faith is increased, you, you trust in God to go beyond borders. Spirit, lead me. Where my trust is without borders. Would you just lead me in this? And this is what we're saying because we can't all go to Vanuatu. We can't all go to Tonga. We can't all go to New Zealand. We can't all go to Japan. We can't all go to Scotland or, or Romania or the Philippines or Cambodia or China or, or, or Brazil or Australia or Hawaii. But we can enlarge that. We can enlarge our field by increasing our faith and getting involved with these things. The more you do, the more can be done. That's simply God saying, and God's saying, just jump into this from here. I, I was thinking about this whole concept, and from God, he, he winds it all up. He said, let me tell you the greatest benefit. God is absolutely glorified, and God is worshipped. As you and I enlarge our borders, as we think about this little slogan, we say, God, I'm going to, God, would you lead me? Would you lead me where my trust is without borders? Because this is going to help you. This brings glory to God and magnifies you, Jesus. Would you do this? Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. God says I do business in deep waters. 
where feet may fail and fear surrounds me. And sometimes, God, I don't know how I'm really going to be able to do. I don't know how. Why won't you be willing to do more than you think? But I'm not sure if I should do it. Should, should I do it? I'll just give it without committing to this. No, 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 don't procrastinate. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. Spirit, would you lead me? Where my trust, my trust in you. Yeah, it's not going to have any border anymore. Would you let me walk on the waters? Well, that's, that's impossible. I, I only have power to do this. Now you can go beyond your power, giving yourself. Wherever you would call me, would you take me deeper? What, what does that mean? I can't, I can't get to Hawaii. I can't reach those people in Hawaii, but God, would you take me deeper? Because I don't know what I can do. Spirit, lead me. Spirit, lead me. And you know what? Paul, you told me that if my faith is increased, their measure is increased. I can't physically get there, but their measure can go. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. But let me say something. If you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you to where your trust is with our borders, you actually mean it. It's one thing to sing the song. And you, you sing that song and you think what does it mean but then you walk out on Monday and you've got to live it out and now I've put that money in on the Sunday see what does what without a border look like it could look like giving money away that I thought I needed it could look like being kind to a person that no one else will ever talk to down at your kid's soccer practice and you say I'm going to go beyond that relational border it could look like fostering a child even though you aren't even sure you're equipped to do this and, and that could say but spirit lead me lead me where my trust is without borders it could look like moving to a foreign country it, it's and you're asking god to take you to where your trust has no borders and you know what that means that means there's no economic borders now there's no social border there's no financial border there's, there's no geographic border. There's no racial border. I'm just going to go beyond that. And, and here's what I find. There's, there's nothing in those lyrics that we're singing. It's often going to feel good when you're doing it. Because you're stepping out to an area that's, that's a little bit odd. And, and if it's deeper than my feet would ever want to wander, it's going to be unknown at times. It's going to be a little bit scary. Might even be uncomfortable. And you know what's outside borders? Jeremy's gone into places and first white man to ever get into a village, sometimes the first white person those people have ever seen, previous cannibals. And you get up into those places and it's wild. It's unpredictable. It's dangerous. 
but it's incredibly exhilarating as you realize, Spirit, leave me. You've led me. And, and my faith is increased. And it's life-changing. It's life-giving. And it's exactly what brave people God wants us to be. And he says, I just want you to grow in grace. Would you put the finishing touches on grace? And stretch. And say, Spirit, would you lead me? Would you lead me where trust in you is without borders and I'm going to do more than I, I'm be willing to do more than I could even think on this thing and I just want to be wanting to grow and God would you just do this in my life the prayer for this conference ought to be spirit lead me I started this message off by saying success is not by the dollar value success is by knowing the spirit of God has led me and empowered me to do his will that's a successful missions revival spirit lead me let's pray Father we just thank you again for your word it's so instructive and I know tonight's been a, a teaching moment and a instruction moment we're so glad you've given this to us but I ask God you would uh, instruct us in a way that we'd learn the principles that you've given us and we'd practice those principles and we'd see the profit that you even want to show us that at the end of it, God, you are glorified. You are worshipped by people around this world and that's what you're looking for. You're looking for worshippers. And missions helps us. It's not just souls that we reach. We're seeing worshippers come to worship you. And God, that's what your desire is. Would you help us and lead us where our trust is absolutely without borders. Let me ask it in Jesus' name.
Thank you for this wonderful message. Lord, as our ushers come forward, I, I would just pray that we would take the next couple of minutes as we finish the service and and just uh, be thankful as we give, Lord. And uh, Powerful, 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 Lord. I, I know last night was more about the heart. And tonight was an experience of learning about faith promise. But, Father, I feel like it was another heart night for me. And God, you're working in our church, you're working in our lives, and it's just been a while since we've really, really looked at this thing, and I didn't know how far away I was from understanding what faith promise was. I'm grateful for the journey you've brought us on. I'm grateful for the fact that you're bringing us back to our roots in this area, and we need this, God. We desperately need it.
so much we can do. We love you. Thank you. Bless the offering. Multiply it to meet the needs of our missionaries. Uh, Lord, just covering the cost is what we're trying to do, God, just in these offerings, just trying to pay for some plane tickets and and some food and hotel rooms and and give a little cash uh, to these missionaries. That's what we're trying to do now, God. And, And so just bless what we give and multiply it to meet the needs that they have that that they wouldn't be out anything because they came. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated as our ushers take the offering tonight. That was beautiful. Well, what a great message. Amen.